With the FDA calling for greater patient diversity in clinical trials and the industry's need to include patients in clinical trials no matter where they are located, how can direct-to-patient shipment help in addressing diversity and inclusion? What are the greatest challenges that direct-to-patient shipments face both in terms of data privacy and regulations? We were delighted to speak with Andrea Zabel, Senior Director Personalised Supply Chain at World Courier, as she talks about the fact industry is working to achieve greater patient centricity with direct-to-patient shipments, accelerating the clinical trial process and ultimately allowing the drug to come to market earlier for the benefit of all patients. What does direct-to-patient shipment mean and where is it used? Yeah, direct-to-patient shipment means that in a clinical trial, a patient is getting directly to its home um, material, but also often it's included that also material is taken from the patient's home. And this is a method um, which is used um, in clinical trials to make it for patients um, easier to attend in a clinical trial when they have um, the material, the investigation in medicinal products, sometimes also um, certain devices and other materials directly to their home, instead of going into the clinic, into the clinical trial site and receiving all the material there. Yeah, it is really used um, to, um, quite often it's used for patients who have otherwise no possibility to attend the clinical trial. Yeah, because due to their disease, um, they cannot go or to um, offer them the possibility to get these some um, uh, deliveries to their home instead of just going to the clinic, just going to the site to pick up a, a package of um, uh, investigation medicine product. Yeah. And nothing else is happening. Yeah. This is more or less means this direct to patient means the shipments of material within a clinical trial concept, which is more called decentralized clinical trials. And decentralized clinical trials means that parts or all of the clinical trial activities are moved from the clinical trial site to the patient's home. Thank you. Is it new, direct-to-patient? Is it a new concept? Many people are thinking it's new because it was the, um, yeah, the rescue strategy when we had the pandemic. Yeah, trials could not continue without this concept. Trials could not start. We had a lot of clinical trials, a peak of clinical trials, either to test the COVID-19 vaccines and also the COVID-19 medication. Yeah, I was working at that time in a, a clinical research organization and it was an enormous um, increase of clinical trials at this part. But, and that is, was very good that it was not new because the um, my first exposure to decentralized elements in clinical trial were around 10 years ago. And the main motivation was to improve patient enrollment, to reduce dropouts of patients, and to include a wider population of patients in clinical trials. That, you know, it is really, this is one of the most critical challenges in the clinical trial is to find the right patients, the right number of patients in time, yeah, in order to conduct the clinical trial, to keep them in the trial, and to have at the end the data to bring a product, to, to bring a medicine, a product to the market. And enrollment is really key 
yeah, and reduction of drug parts. And then the idea was coming up already 10 years ago, why not opening a clinical trials for patients who are living too far away from a clinical trial site, who have not the possibility due to their disease to attend in a clinical trial, although they really need the therapy. Yeah? And, and then to, to think about why not giving the patient the opportunity to do parts of the clinical trial at home. It is all about the thinking about patient centricity, really to think yeah, with the eye of the patient What hinders a patient to be part of a clinical trial? And what are the reasons why patients are stopping clinical trials in the middle? Yeah? And here, this idea came up and the processes have been developed and the first trials have been um, executed. And I have seen really in the times between 2015 and, and uh, 20, it was a, still a small portion of the clinical trials. But yearly doubling yep it was really very successful method and it was really great to have already established processes vendors familiar with direct to and from patient also the lab samples yeah, must be taken from from the patient when the pandemic hits us yeah this was really a good situation so it's not new <laughs> So what, what do you think are the key points to be considered when thinking about direct-to-patient shipments? There are three things which are really important. First, good clinical practice and all the requirements of good clinical practice, documentation and also oversight by the investigator. This is key. This must be followed also when you have a decentralized model, when IMPs, Investigation medicine reports are shipped to the patient's home and lab samples are taken from the patient's home. So the oversight of the investigator, because the investigator is ultimately responsible on behalf of the sponsor for the patient, for the conduct of the clinical trial according to GCP. This is key. This is one element. Then there is a second element. One key principles of uh, clinical trials is that the patient is anonymous, that the patient's data privacy is protected. Never a sponsor should know who are the patients in the clinical trial to avoid any risk, any chance of influencing the patient because the patient is participating on his free will and can stop any time yeah, participation. This data privacy, this is the second challenge we have to overcome. So we have to ship to a patient. Of course, we have to know the name and where the patient is living. But all the data must be blinded. Yeah, this is really a challenge. And then a third challenge is very often mentioned, and this is the integrity of the IMP, of the product, especially when it comes to medicine product. Um, is the product really in good condition? We have more and more temperature controlled um, products, biopharmaceuticals, yeah, and so it's really important. But here I would say this third element is often in discussion, but very often people are not thinking how, in which way an IMP is coming to a patient. It's only a small portion of uh, trials where the patient is really going to the clinical site and the drug is administered there. Very often the patient is taking the drug by himself to his home. Sometimes they are getting a call back. They are 
driving by car, whatever, they are getting instructions for sure. But the way from the clinical site to their homes and how they treat the drug at their home is also not under control. Yeah. So this argument, is a drug really safe when shipping from the clinical site to the patient? This is really something where I should say is the opposite. We are extending the GXP controlled environment up to the patient's home instead of yeah, bringing the drug into a risk. Yeah, because in a specialized career, we have all these great temperature control packages, validated qualified packages and temperature recording. So the third, this third challenge, in my view, is not a challenge, but it's an improvement. So you've mentioned the challenges. Do you think there's anything more that we can do to help to overcome them? Of course, it is um, um, a challenge with the data privacy and to have the right processes because um, the um, we have to hand over at the patient's home. The, we have to meet the right timing. Very often we have also a home care nurse there instructed to conduct all the activities of a trial, clinical trial site visit at the patient's home. So good timing is important. But here I would say we are doing a lot of process development. But my personal opinion on this is we are not using available technologies enough. So you all know when you are ordering even a pizza, when you order a taxi, you have um, or a package, you have really real time. You can see where's your driver. You can see where is your pizza. But this is really a strange thing. All these great technologies we have in logistics are only rarely, in rare cases, used in the clinical trial setting. Yeah, I think there is there is a potential. The technology is there. We can use it. We can also connect systems near the um, the drug dispensing is not done, so the selection of the drugs for the patient is not done by the investigator. It's coming out of a randomization system. Yes, so to connect this system really directly with the career, to have direct uh, transmission of data, the possibility to blind this data also from the technology point of view, this is all possible. We have um, temperature loggers sending data directly to a system that they are in real time visible, yeah, also at handover. All this is possible. Equipment is available. Technologies are available. It's just a matter of using it. Yeah, I think these are challenges, which are challenges today, but this can be overcome by more usage of technology. But the main challenge we have today is a regulatory challenge because it's a new concept. Um, and the how a drug, an investigational drug, is coming to a patient and also with its direct shipment is not reflected, is not described in the medicinal product and pharmacy laws. So and this is the consequences that we have the situation that sometimes it's rejected by the authorities. First time, yeah, this was described in the COVID-19 exemption regulations. Yeah, here it was first time described. It, there is a possibility to conduct activities at the patient's home, to send also um, IMPs directly to the patient's home, take lab samples and take from the patient's home. This was described first time. 
yeah, from EMA, from FDA, also from other countries and regions. Um, but to implement this as one way to conduct the clinical trial was only done so far by Denmark. Denmark is the first country. And Switzerland, Sweden has also started really to, um, yeah, to have um, yeah, some guidance papers. And recently in December, also the EMA has published um, a guidance paper now for decentralized trials. And just this week, on month, last week on Wednesday, the FDA has done a similar. So, but today we have this gap in the regulations and we have this regulatory challenge that it's often not allowed. Yeah. And, and or because you can, you have room for interpretation. When something is not regulated, you can interpret this in this way. I'm allowing this because it's not regulated. Or say, no, I forbid this because it's not regulated. Yeah, and this is really a gap we have to fill. Thank you. So if you move forward in time, can you imagine what the future for this would look like for direct-to-patient? Coming back to this regulatory situation, we have now the first country starting with um, implementing rules and regulations for decentralized trials, including shipments of IMPs and material to the patient's home, lab sample taking from the patient's home. This is really something which I, we have started, this way have started. We need a lot of cooperation also of clinical trial industry, pharma industry, all stakeholders to work together with the regulatory bodies, to work together with the authorities um, to build this regulation, to reflect this new model in um, medicinal product and pharmacy law especially. I think this process has already started, but it's a long way to go, you know, when you change something in legislation, this really needs a lot of time. Um, this is one thing we can do. The other thing is really to, yeah, try and do more pilot studies, more technical implementation. Um, it's perhaps also sometimes a hesitation, especially on the sponsor side, yeah, to well, first step, to take the first step, yeah, to have the first pilot study, really to implement this. There are good signs that it has already started, but um, here I see a lot of potential to accelerate and um, with a really safe process. Yeah, and the pin with the right technologies, it's also easier for regulators to, um, to accept these strategies because when we can show, for example, that an investigator has full visibility of each um, shipment, that they have the chance to um, interfere also to say perhaps no for this specific visit, I want to see the patient in my clinic. I want, there are medical reasons for this. When these these steps are embedded yeah, and available, this is really showing also GCP compliance. It's, it's a strong investigator position. And, um, and we have also the um, really good documentation what is required yeah, for the whole process. Here I see a lot of um, potential. What we can start today. Do you see a role for direct-to-patient shipments for commercial products, such as outside of clinical trials? Yeah, this is already reality, yeah. You know, already for since years, we have mail-order pharmacies, yeah. When I'm 
looking at Europe, we have a very well-regulated environment for mail-order pharmacies that um, a patient can have a, have a prescription, can order drug is sent directly to their home, um, that um, also um, all pharmacies are offering this service in the commercial area. We have already established this. Yeah, and, and also for, from, from the, sometimes also patients have the possibility to go to a nearby lab um, to take lab samples. So here, everything what we want to have in the clinical trial setting is already reality for commercial drugs and widely used and well accepted. And, um, and this is also a situation for some patients um, when they know this, when they have already this environment yeah, for their treatment and decide or have the possibility to attend the clinical trial. They often said, why I should have then an addition, another situation? Why I should go to take my drug to the clinic when I'm not in a clinical trial, I'm getting it to my home, yeah? This is really um, sometimes an argument and uh, that um, patients cannot continue what they, are, what they typically have for their treatment. Yeah, when they're entering a clinical trial. Thank you. And just one final question. What what one or two key things would you want the listener to take away from listening to this podcast today? What's really important is it's all about patient centricity. We are not doing this to save costs or to the ultimate reason to have this concept is patient centricity, not only for the patients in the clinical trials, yeah, that we have more patients, all patients, more patient diversity. It's also a request, for example, from the FDA a few years ago. They the call for the industry more diversity in clinical trials, yeah, that really patients can attend, um, will later take the drug. And when this is really a chance to accelerate the whole process, to have earlier patient enrolled, to have them the right number of patients, then clinical trials can be finished earlier. And at the end, the drug can come earlier for, to the market. And this is for the benefit of all patients who need this drug. Yeah. So they have done really a similar population in the clinical trials than in, re, in the real world. So, which reduces also the risks of safety issues. They have the drug earlier, yeah? And so, at the end, and not only the patients in the clinical trial should have a more convenient uh, environment, but also all patients benefit from a yeah, really important drug on the market. So, to think really from the point patient centricity, I think this is the right way um, to um, yeah, to address decentralized trials and also this direct to from patient shipments. Yeah, it's all about patient centricity, and um, and um, really to have also patients who have in other situations never a chance to attend a clinical trial. Yeah, or but one principle, it's also about patient centricity. In the ideal clinical trial, the patient has a choice. When a patient wants to go to the clinic, the patient should have the possibility to do so, yeah, to see the investigator, to see the side stuff. 
Um, so to have the choice, I think this is also an important uh, uh, factor for patient centricity. Thank you, Andrea. That was great talking to you today. Thank you for your time. Thank you.